That's how God is. Amen. I'm glad she said yes. I'm glad she went. I'm glad she goes and wants to go. If I said, I don't know if I can go, she goes, well, I'll let you know what you missed. She'd probably go without me. Amen. All right. Uh, I, I seriously asked for prayer uh, two months ago for my granddaughter that was born on May 15th. And many of you remember Evie. She was our last one, our last, our youngest. So that meant she was with us the longest. She came here quite a few times, made friends here. And she is an easy person to like and uh, just a nice kid. And she, uh, she went, took the long way around the barn uh, on some occasions. I said, Evie, your problem is you're too much like your dad. But she came out the right place, and uh, I led our boyfriend to the Lord, and, uh, and they, got, uh, they got in church and doing good, and the Lord blessed them with a pregnancy, and they wanted to have children. And the baby was born May 15th with a very, very serious life, long, permanent disorder. Uh, it's hard to describe, but there were three key amino acids missing in this child's makeup that's going to have to be dealt with, protein, protein intake, the rest of her life. So the baby spent five weeks in NICU with my daughter, and we were there quite a bit too. <laughs> and, uh, but they came home a couple weeks ago, and uh, Evie and her husband, Nick, uh, they, I'm really pleased with how serious they're taking all this and learning what they have to do on behalf of this child and the child's beautiful and now is you know gaining weight again and everything and I say that two reasons uh, you know I know I asked for prayer and people have commented so I know you have and I want to thank you and I want to ask you to keep praying when you think of us uh, to think about uh, Abby or and uh, this little child her name is Lillian Lillian May <laughs> amen and uh what a thing, man. That is grandchild number 12 for us. When I got saved, I had nothing. Nothing. And to say God is good doesn't even scratch the surface, does it? Take your Bible tonight. Go to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. <clears throat> John chapter 19, we're going to read uh, verse 15. It says this, John 19, verse 15 says, But they cried, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Boy, that was the wrong thing to say. So just a reminder, something we all are aware of, most likely here tonight, roughly 2,000 years ago, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was crucified, was put to death, executed as a common criminal. Amen? And, uh, and uh, he wasn't crucified alone. And all four of the Gospels mention that there were two others on that hill uh, that day, two thieves, one on either side of Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew and Mark uh, both state that those thieves reviled and railed on the Lord. Matthew 27 and 44 says, The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. People were going by mocking him. And here they are, nailed to a cross as well, being put to death as well. And they're getting right in on it, both of them. Mark 15, verse 32 says this, Let, let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Amen. John mentions the thieves, doesn't say any more about it, just acknowledges that they were there. 
But Luke's account's a little different, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. And take your Bible, go to Luke 23. Luke 23. And verse 33 says this. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. There they are, one on each side, Christ in the middle, just like uh, the other gospel writers acknowledge. But uh, verse 39 says this. Now this is Luke, and he said, And one of the mal malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, Save thyself and us. Purely selfish motivation. He didn't believe, but he thought, if there's an outside chance, we can get out of this. Amen? That's what people do. They, sometimes they'll use the Lord, use religion, use whatever they think will work as a uh, fire escape. <laughs> Amen. Can I remind everybody, the Lord knows the difference in your motivation of your heart. So, two of the gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, write that both the thieves railed on him, and Luke only mentions one. Now, since we know there is no contradiction in the scriptures, amen, got me to thinking, something had to cause one of them to change their mind. And that's what I want to look at tonight. Father, I love you, and I thank you for grace, and I thank you for those that have come out tonight. Thank you, God, for a place to meet, a reason to meet. Thank you for a blessed hope. We pray you come get us soon, but God, I really do want to be found doing what I'm supposed to be doing when that day comes, and we should all feel that way. Bless the message tonight, God. I pray you guide my thoughts, and, and may something that's said be pleasing to you, and of value and use to the Holy Spirit to minister to these precious folks. And God, if there's an outside chance somebody in here tonight's not saved, I pray for their soul. I pray you'd literally turn the spiritual lights on them for them tonight so that uh, they don't run the risk ending up in the wrong place. Father, please meet with us, and we'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And amen. Again, evidently something happened that caused one of these guys to change their mind. And, and, and I was trying to figure it out, wondering what it could have been. I, I, I think maybe it might have had something to do, you know, looking at it as a man, with the way the Lord was handling it. Amen. I mean, he is an innocent man. He's not up there begging for his life. He's not up there saying, this isn't fair. I've seen Christians do that. I've done that. Uh, we kid about Canada, as my favorite Canadian makes her way into the auditorium tonight. You know, I didn't have any problem with Canada until I found out what a problem Canada had with me about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And you guys have heard this story before, and I was changing planes in Toronto. I mean, it's logical, right? You fly from Chicago to Mexico City, and you change planes in Toronto. And I think the Lord knew what he was doing. What an understatement. Uh, I ended up in Toronto and get pulled out of line, locked up, spent the night in jail, made it very clear to me I wasn't welcome in Canada that day or ever again, threatened, put on a plane, uh, uh, and sent to Mexico City. And so then for eight hours, I'm wondering if the same is going to happen in Mexico. What a relief it was to get there and find out they don't even have computers yet. They didn't even know who I was. Hola, welcome. I went, thank you. Amen. And we went on and got to preach with a missionary. Saw 23 souls come to Christ in the next two weeks. But boy, the way you get there is a little bumpy. I was locked up on a Friday night. Wasn't my first time by a long shot. And, uh, uh, but first time this side of Calvary, I spent the night locked in a cell. And there was nobody else in the cell. That was a blessing. And so I was free to spend probably, it seemed like hours. It might not have been that long, but... I was free to complain to God about how unfair that was. 
and how I was trying to do right and been live for God and trying to get to Mexico so I could preach, and here I am locked up like a common criminal. And, you know, I'm just confessing something to you. And uh, and Lord did not engage in that conversation. He just let me rant. He'll let you rant. And when you start realizing how dumb you sound, maybe he'll tell you something. Maybe he'll speak to you. He did me. You know what he said? It was clear as a bell. He said, "This, hey, Spurgeon, this kind of looks like where we met. <laughs> and I'm standing in this cell, and I'm looking around. And boy, I'll tell you what, it took me right back to November 30th, 1990. And that morning, I laid that King James Bible that preacher gave me. I laid it on the floor, and I got down on my knees next to it. And I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive me. And I took a little min few minutes to think about where we'd been in the next 16 years to get to that place and how, God, how good God had been and the things that I'd seen him do. And I quit crying and whining and complaining. You know, Jesus Christ never even had a second thought that it was unfair. He knew exactly what he was getting into. And he went up there and, and you know, those two thieves, how... Whatever they were thinking, whatever they were saying to distract themselves from their situation, I guarantee you could not notice that this guy was handling this situation differently than maybe some of their friends had in the past. Lord Jesus Christ was not up there like sometimes Christians are guilty of playing the victim card. We live in a day and age where it blows my mind that people that claim to I don't doubt they're saved, some of them. Maybe they're saved, but they claim to be Bible believers and then come apart at the seams when things go sideways. And then it's the woe is me thing. And I'm thinking like, okay, I get it, man. In, the hu in our humanity, but we've got more than our humanity if I'm reading this book right. And the Holy Spirit of God is in there too. And, and I realize the flesh lusts against the Spirit. I understand the flesh too often wins. But I understand this too. The Spirit of God, the author of this book, bears witness to this book. We claim to believe this book. And I'll tell you where the rubber meets the road. How much Bible you got in you is going to come out when rough stuff comes. And I've, it's sad to report that I'd seen people that had no problem praising Jesus when everything was going good. Amen. And it ought not be that way. And we don't have an example like that in our Savior or any of the Paul said, I'm now ready to be offered. I don't think that they would have missed this, that this man, who no doubt they knew of him, because everybody knew of him, uh, I, I have no doubt that the way he was handling that scenario uh, might have caused that one to think, whoa, what's going on here? Now, presumably this encounter uh, with, this, with the Lord and these two men was, 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 uh, was the first time they'd been together, first time. There's no indication that this thief, the one that changed his heart, had ever heard the Lord preach anywhere, doesn't say anything like that. Uh, as far as we know, he never, he never had a witness from many of the disciples. Amen. But boy, in that short period of time, between when they were nailed up there, there was a witness. There was a witness according to Matthew 27 and verse 37. It said, they put a sign over his cross that said, uh, uh, this this is Jesus, King of the Jews. That was the first. That was the first. I mean, maybe the guy is nailed there. And, what is this? He would have been able to hear, they both would have been able to hear the crowd say things like this, Matthew 27, 40, and saying, thou, hast, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Son of God. King of the Jews, Son of God, what's all this? 
Then they heard him say in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for thou knowest not what they do. What a thing for somebody being crucified to say. The others are saying, get us down. And he's saying, amen. Boy, I tell you, there was a witness. There was a witness that Jesus Christ was not like anyone else. And uh, so Luke records this guy saying this in verse 42 of Luke 23. He said, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, that's key, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. It doesn't say if thou be. He called it. He sees who he is. He sees him for who he is, and he addresses him rightly as Lord. To which Jesus Never batting an eye, replies, verse 43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, what's interesting about this is this guy is on death row. I mean, he's within hours at the most of his own death. When Jesus Christ said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, the day, the next day started at 6 o'clock. It ain't like tomorrow, in a few hours, you'll, you'll be dead, and you'll be with me. Amen? Literally, hours before his death, he gets in on the mercy of God. We talked a lot about the mercy of God yesterday. Let me not fail to say again, thank God for the mercy of God. Amen? <laughs> I would like to say better late than never, and, and it's true. It's true. I was 37, almost 38 when I got saved, and... Uh, Amen, I wasted a lot, but I'm trying to show Lord I appreciate it with every breath since. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8 says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And I'm all for a good start, but how you finish is more important than how you start. And I know people across the country, a lot of young people that started right and had the, had the Bible uh, 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 in their life, in, in a good Bible-believing church and devotion at home and things like that, and start out right. But I know some that if they stay on the track they're on right now, they're not going to finish right. And we pray for them. And I tell that say this. Uh, if that describes anybody in here, and we're glad you're here on a Monday night, and it could be because mom and dad made you come, that book says in Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider and heart shall be filled with his own ways. Something starts right there in the pew that results in that vacancy once the feet. You follow me? And I would say to you, if that would describe you remotely, you need to change tracks. While you can, you need to get that thing straightened out while you can so you can finish right. So, talking about this thief, the one that got in on the mercy of God, the one that got the promise, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I got a similar promise. He didn't nail it down to what day. I'm trying to stay ready. We had to stay in the old days when I was in the bike gangs. Uh, uh, we were all doing stuff, going places. And, uh, and somebody would say, get ready, and, uh, you know, get ready to go. And uh, my response became, uh, I hate getting ready. I stay ready to keep from having to get ready. Think about that. That's where you ought to look at uh, the Lord's return, because you might not have time to get ready. You better be ready. You better be saved. You better stay ready. Uh, you better keep short accounts with God. I know some Christians right now, I don't doubt they're saved and love God, wave that King James Bible, but I sincerely hope that I'm not behind them at the judgment seat of Christ because i got a feeling some of them are going to be there a long time. Amen? We're talking about this guy got a promise that he's going to go uh, be with the Lord in paradise. He didn't have very long, uh, just a matter of hours. Think about this. This guy never sinned after he got saved. Never got sinned. Never sinned one time. I wish that was true of me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
Uh, and after he got saved, I'll tell you something else about him. He witnessed every chance he got. It says there in Luke uh, 23, 41, and we indeed justly, he's talking to the other thief now, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. He only got one chance, but he took it. I wish that was true of me too. Boy, there have been times, there have been times where I justified not giving a track when I knew the Lord wanted me to. You know, one time I was checking out of a store and I was going to give, give a track and I didn't have one. And I thought, man, I got some in the car. I know I need to go out and get one. And I'm walking toward the door and it started raining. It's a old Kmart, what it was, metal roof. It was loud. Get up by the door. There are 10 people standing around waiting for the rain. They were not going out to their car. And I'm standing there, and I know I'm supposed to go out there. And it was a decision I had to make. You're going to go out there and get soaking wet, or are you going to stand here like a coward? And, man, I'll tell you what, uh, I ran out to the car, and I got some tracks, and I tried to protect them. And I got back to that counter, and that woman looked up and said, is there something wrong? And I got water running off me and off my head. I said, you know, Lord wants you to have this, and I want to invite you to church. And, hey, listen, I don't know whatever happened with that, but I know this. I, I got the peace of God from trying to do what I was supposed to do. Amen. So this guy, this guy, he, he never sinned. He, he, he witnessed every chance he got. He went right to paradise, right from that cross. Of course, conversely, that other guy, you know where he went. Amen. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. I told you the other day, I said, when I get to heaven, I want the thief, I want the maniac Gadara to help take me to where this guy is so we can just, you know, shout it out. But I got thinking about it, and uh, I'm glad he got in, but he sure missed out on some things. He missed out on some things. The title tonight would be Missed Opportunities. And uh, number one, let me say this, he never got a chance to get things right with his family. Amen. Uh, someone being executed as a criminal, I guarantee you, would have a lot of regrets. I don't know if this guy had a wife or kids, but I know this, uh, jail and, uh, and prison visitation rooms are usually full on the weekends. I was in a prison in Ohio uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're checking in at 8.30 on, on Saturday morning, and there were 20 family members, wife and kids waiting to get in. We came out two hours later, and of course, we tracked them going in. We tracked them coming out. But uh, they might not be whatever they're in trouble for, and uh, I know this. They got people that care about them. Amen. I feel sorry for this guy. If he was, if he was a husband, he probably wasn't a very good one. If he was a dad, he sure set a horrible example. That Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me tell you something. If you're ever going to train anybody in the way they should go, it is absolutely imperative that you be going in the way you should go too because they're going to learn way more by your example than they are your words. Amen? So, uh, you know, and it, I wish it was true that if we set a good example that there'd be some kind of guarantee, and there's not. Amen. But I'd say this is probably closer to be true. You set a bad example, you got way better odds of them following that. I was in uh, Louisiana preaching uh, January a year ago, and, uh, and uh, uh, just on the north side of the lake, and the guy had come over from New Orleans uh, invited guests, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him in the morning. And uh, But we came back that evening for service, and he was standing outside. And uh, he's a visitor. He's not a church guy by any means. I found out to what degree he wasn't. And uh, But I went over there. I had a burden, and I got out of the car, and I went over, and I started talking to him. His name was Rick. And, you know, he had, he had read the track. That's what got him to church. A uh, gal at the church invited him. And uh, he said, you know, we had some things in common. He liked motorcycles and things like that. And we're talking, and of course we're talking of our conversation. He tells me his father is a Hells Angel, member of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club. And of course, I known quite a few of them. And uh, it wasn't a good relationship, but, you know, I didn't have a good relationship with anybody when I was lost. I was at war with myself. 
So he's telling me that his dad is doing life in Angola prison. You might have heard of it, Brother Mike. That's one of the worst uh, uh, prisons in the United States. It is, is out in the middle of the swamp in central Louisiana, surrounded by gators and snakes. Nobody even wants to escape. It's more dangerous. It's safer inside, and it's a rough place. His dad's in there, and his dad's in there doing life, and his dad was a club member. And uh, Rick was in his early 30s uh, when uh, he started hanging out with his dad's friends, and they tried to get him to join the club, and he went on some rides, and he just, he never did. And then his dad got in trouble, and here he is out here now just, you know. He came to church. He took the invitation, and I talked to him for a while, and before it was over, old Rick bowed his head right on the trunk of that old rusted-out Ford Taurus and asked Jesus Christ to save him. But let me tell you, he's the exception. To come out of that life and that background, he was the exception. I called two weeks later. Yes, he's been back every Sunday. I called two weeks later. He got baptized. I called a month later. He's still coming. I don't know if he's still coming or not now. I hope he is. I hope to see him again when we go back to there in a couple of months. Amen? Truth be known, most people that choose that lifestyle leave a horrible example for their children to follow. He never got a chance. It's not, un well, we know. I mean, it's, it, there's no record of him ever getting a word, a message to his to his loved ones from a cross he asked for forgiveness he gets it jesus told him today thou shalt be with me but he never had chance to get right never had the opportunity to tell his folks he was sorry because i guarantee you this boy he put him through it well i got saved that morning and i didn't even know to ask to be saved i i asked for forgiveness i meant it i reached under my bed there my rack and pulled out my legal pad because every convict turns into a legal genius and writing notes for his lawyer. And I tore all that off and got a blank page. And I wrote a letter to my mother and my father in Tennessee. And I, and I, I started off with telling them that I was sorry for all the heartache, for all the shame, all the disgrace. All the fear, my sister told me later. I buried 41 of my own guys in my 15 years with the club. And my sister told me it got to the point in the early 80s that when the phone rang, your mom and dad were afraid, my mom and dad were afraid to answer it because it was going to be me. And I, hey, I loved them. I had a good relationship with him. Thank God, I believe he let me live through some things I did because even as a lost heathen, I did try to honor my mother and father, but I didn't realize till that morning I got saved what I put them through. And the first thing Holy Spirit did for me was have me write a letter saying, I am sorry. The second thing I said was, I may never see you again. If the government has its way, I'll never see you again uh, outside of the visiting room in a federal penitentiary. But I'll see you in heaven because this morning I asked for forgiveness and all, and I got to thanking them for all those prayers. Amen. Those are precious memories to me. I'm so glad. And I'm going to tell you how good God is. He gave me 11 years with my mom and 20 with my dad after I got saved. I'm in a little Baptist church in, in, in south of Nashville, about 80 miles. My mom and dad, who are Methodists, saved Methodists, they came, but they're very subdued people. They didn't know. Nobody spoke out in church. I'd have never made it as a Methodist evangelist. I don't even know if they have them. But the preach, I'm going to preach, and, the, and the, I got Church of Christ relatives came, and I mean, they could be excommunicated for coming to a Baptist church. And all that, but everybody knew David, and nobody could believe David is, what, he got a haircut? What's going on? And, uh, and that uh, preacher asked for testimony, and my mother, like, 
she's in her 70s by now. She stood up. I'd never heard her give a testimony in my whole life. And she stood up and she said, that's my boy right there. And I'm so proud of him. Man, I'm glad God gave me a chance. I couldn't take back what I did wrong. I couldn't take back what I put him through. But boy, I tell you what, as sincerely as I could muster, I wanted them to know that I was sorry and that I loved them and that I appreciated them. And my mom stood up that day, and you know what? She didn't remember none of that other stuff. She was just glad that I was where I was. And as I recall all that, I'm thinking, this guy, praise the Lord, he's in heaven. But he never got a chance to get, uh, get things straightened out with his, with his family, with his loved ones. Truth of the matter is, folks that are saved and, and, and love God do get estranged. I mean, I've seen it over and over. Things come between uh, family members even. And, and I just want to say to you that if there's something going on and, and you need to go the extra mile, get that thing sorted out, maybe apologize, maybe give someone else a chance to apologize. Could I encourage you to do that on this side of your last breath? Better do it while you can. A year or so ago, her and I flew uh, up to Ohio for a funeral of a preacher that we'd known and loved and uh, got all the way to the gravesite, and the guy's son and his maybe late 30s by now, uh, right at, I mean, at the gravesite, he said, you know, I need to say something. I had had some, you know, butted heads with his, with his dad over some things, you know, like people do. But he said, you know, it's my, and the, this preacher died of cancer. And as he was, you know, going downhill, and he was as ready to go as anybody could be, you know, all that. But he said, I would, I would go over there with the intention of just getting that air cleared, telling my dad and I loved him and clear. And he said, every time I got there, something seemed to happen, and we know why, you know, whether it's the world, the flesh, or the devil. Uh, I never got a chance. And now I'm standing here over his coffin with this regret. And I just say all that to say, if that could even possibly be the case with somebody in here, don't let it end like that. Do whatever you got to do, but try to get things mended up while you can, because this guy, he didn't, have, he didn't have a chance, but you do. Now, he's nailed to a cross possible excuse are you going to have? Number two, this guy missed out on some things. And again, I'm glad he went to heaven, but he never got a chance to witness to his friends. Not any of them. Except the guy, I don't even know if he liked them. But I know this. Take your Bible, go to, uh, let me see, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Missed opportunities. We miss opportunities. I've missed too many. I'm glad I haven't missed them all. In verse 18, in Mark chapter 5, this is one of my heroes in the Bible. Uh, we affectionately refer to him as the maniac of Gadara. I, I, I can relate. Often bound, fetters and chains, he, you know. And, uh, but he got in on it, man. He got in on God's mercy. In verse 18, it said, And when he was coming to the ship, uh, he that had been, notice the past tense, he that had been possessed with the devil, prayed him that, that he might be with him. This guy, he didn't know what the future held, but he knew he couldn't go back to his old life. I resemble that remark. Amen. And then verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. 
even maniacs evidently have friends, convicts have friends. This guy never got a chance to go tell any of his friends. I, I got saved out of that motorcycle gang world, and you guys know that. And, uh, and uh, I got saved. I became a new creature, and I didn't make a deal. I didn't do any of that. But they, they didn't take it so well uh, that I, uh, you know, got religion. That's what lost people think this is. And uh, some of them decided not to take a chance, you know, to let me, uh, you know, exist as a loose end. And some even suggested that the risk be neutralized. Well, obviously, they, that didn't happen. <laughs> you want to know the truth? I got it in the Jehovah Witness Protection Program. <laughs> so what do you do? I moved across town and started going to church. Quit going out at night. Quit going to places they went. Trusted God that if I would do right. My reasoning, I was, this is how dumb I am. I thought, okay, Jesus Christ can leave heaven, come down here, live a sinless life, go to the cross, die for my sins, forgive my sins. If he can do all that, surely he can protect me from these idiots. And if he can't, I got a promise that he's going to take me to heaven. I don't know about you, but that makes us winners either way, doesn't it? So, but again, uh, I had a burden I couldn't, they didn't want to hear from me. I, I would go to prisons, I would talk to uh, people with a similar background, but my friends, he said, go home to thy friends. I couldn't. And finally, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that, I was asking the Lord, I said, how do I do that? And he said, write a book. I said, Seriously? Me? And uh, he directed that solely as a way to reach the people that aren't taking a track, that aren't accepting an invitation, that don't want to hear it. That's a 400-page gospel track. Amen? And the Lord's been using it, and it opened doors. I got a I got a text today from an outlaw in Charlotte, North Carolina that says, hey, bro, you're going to be in North Carolina this year? He comes to see me. He brings other club members, guys that I rode with, the guys that knew me 40 years ago. Uh, uh, he brings them to here, and they're all still in the club. Amen? It's interesting. <laughs> Amen, because what do you do? Oh, amen, remember Daytona 1996. Hey, man, do you know where you're going to go when you die? I think I say, hey, we got a lot in common in our past. You guys have come to hear me preach. I said, well, let's not talk about that. How about the future? We got anything common in the future? Like, where are you going to spend eternity? And, hey, some people have gotten saved, and some people just turned it off. You know what's neat about the Word of God? You can't turn it off. I tried. I listened to the preaching of the Word of God in jail. I couldn't turn it off. And then I read a gospel track, and I, boy, I said, what's all this a fire? Is that all these Christians ever talk about is burning? But then the next thing, and then the next thing, and then that morning in November, I thought, man, if this thing's real, a person would be a fool to go to hell with the debt paid. And I asked Christ, so, you know, you get a witness. It doesn't matter if they reject it. It doesn't matter if they flip you off because they read your sign. The Word of God goes in, and it's a process of watering and sowing. And, amen, it's exciting. Get in on it. Well, I'm not very good at talking to people. Yeah, I noticed that when that stinking phone came out, as soon as you hit the back door and you didn't stop talking all the way to the car. But when a preacher says you need to tell other people about Jesus, you act all shy. I can't help it. It's an evangelist thing. Amen, amen. This guy never got a, a chance. Uh, we had a lady one time. She had such a burden for her brother, and, and she'd bring his name up every prayer meeting, and, 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 and he didn't want to hear it. From her, you know, and uh, and uh, finally the preacher said, "Okay, listen, why don't you spend more time thinking about winning somebody else and ask God to send somebody the one that don't want to hear it from you? You know, family, friends, sometimes they're the absolutely the hardest ones to reach 
because they remember you at your worst. Well, so what do I do? Well, go win somebody else's family and friends and see what God might do. I feel bad for this guy that he never got a chance to talk to any of his friends. My daughter, I don't remember if it's on that CD out there. I brought one CD. It's got 20 songs from like the five that they did. There was a song she did called My Friend. And it was about a girl in hell. And she's singing a song uh, to, her, to her friend. They, 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 they were friends. I don't know if they worked together. I don't know. But uh, it goes something like this. He says, she says, you knew about this? You knew about hell? And her friend saved. You knew about you knew I was gonna come here and you never told me. You never told me about this. And and she says, I guess you weren't ever really my friend after all. But what an understatement. That's convicting a song. We 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 wave to people, we work with people, we uh, say hello to our neighbors, and we know that if they drop dead or at the end of their life, they're gonna end up right in hell. And we know the answer, the secret, and we just, why don't we witness more than we do? Oh, well, I tried. You know, circumstances change in people's lives. Sometimes people are more receptive a few years later. Oh, we knocked all these doors. Do you know most of those people you knocked on doors 10 years ago have moved? <laughs> I'm serious. We just, it's, it's part of the, our humanity, not the good part if there is a good part. But uh, we just come up with excuses, and this, guy, this guy's nailed to a cross. Now, you don't have that excuse. So I would encourage you to take advantage of your time you got. This guy went to heaven right after meeting Jesus Christ, and, and I don't know if he had anybody he would have told about the Lord, but he didn't get a chance, but you do. And I just want to encourage you, don't miss the opportunity. Let's do something for the Lord while we can. We've got no excuse. Amen. Um, I'll give you another one. Romans chapter 12. Missed opportunities. Never got a chance to get things right with his family, telling me I was sorry. Probably had a lot to be sorry for. I did. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just need to give someone else a chance to say they're sorry. You follow me? Sometimes we decide that there's just some offense that we just can't forgive. And if that's you, that's because the Bible says, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, it's because you've forgotten what your sin did to Jesus Christ. And that's why those verses are in there. Amen? All right, so Romans chapter 12, we know the verse says, I beseech thee therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This guy never got a chance to do anything for God. Amen? If you're saved, you're supposed to live for God. I get it. Everybody's not called into the ministry. Good. They're not supposed to be. But all of us are called to be a witness. All of us are called to live godly. All of us are called, it says on the back of the uh, youth uh, teacher, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That goes for all of us. We should, live, we should live for God, not because of rules, not because we're afraid we're going to lose our salvation, not because we're afraid we're going to get in trouble. We ought to live for God because the book says it's reasonable. And it is reasonable. Everybody wants to think everything through. Well, think about what Jesus Christ did so you don't have to go to hell. He really doesn't ask much. You got the better end of this deal. Amen. And we're to report for duty, to present, present arms. Where's Captain Thomas, Colonel Thomas, General, General Thomas? I'm promoting you. Amen. Present. It's a voluntary submission. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's not a have-to thing. Amen. It's a get-to thing. 
like she sang. I'm, she's glad she said yes to the Lord because she would have never comprehended what she would have missed out on. I'm glad we didn't miss out on something. Let me say this. Uh, we've been on the road. Uh, well, I've been an evangelist full-time 25 years. Uh, they made me a cake. She wouldn't let me have any, but they made me a cake down in Arkansas a couple months ago. Amen. And could I say, man, I, what a ride. It's a blessing to live for God. It's a privilege to live for God. It's exciting. I have a lot of fun. Amen. I'm glad I didn't miss it. I'm glad I didn't miss selling out. I had a guy say one time, well, I don't believe, you know, in hell. I just believe if, you know, you die and you go to a better place. And, I, and before I could even say anything, he said, or, or, that's when the double-minded man verse came up, or you just die, you're dead, that's over. And I'm thinking, so, if you're right, and I choose to live for God and be a good husband and be moral and honest, and in your mind, I'm going to miss out on some parties and end up the same place you are no matter what. But if I'm right, you're going, to, you're going to a lake of fire, pal. That really is what time it is. It ain't worth the risk, is it? I'm glad I didn't miss this thing, living for God. I feel sorry for this guy. He never got a chance do anything for God. You know, there's millions of Americans that are, that are in church, and a lot of them probably are saved, a lot more than are doing anything for God. They think they're doing God a favor by showing up at church once a week. There's so much more. I'm glad God put me in a church where we had meetings, and we had missionaries, and we were encouraged to help one another, help out when needs arose, and it made Bible Christianity real to me and exciting to me. Uh, some of the places that I've been, some of the church people that I know, I, I'll just be honest with you, I wouldn't have lasted six months. It wouldn't have held my attention six months. But we're going on now 31 and a half years. I've been saved. She's been saved a lot longer than that. And uh, this is getting better every year. Amen. I need that. It's fun to live for God. Amen. If you're not, boy, I'd sure like to suggest you, like, find a place to talk to God about getting whatever it is in your life that's hindering you because you're getting the worst end of the deal. Amen. So, let me close like this. If you've got something that needs to be addressed with someone, especially a loved one, I'll say it like that, don't let pride allow you to put it off any longer. That's 100% devil. Do you understand that? The only person that's happy when you don't get things fixed up, when you know you should, is the stinking devil. Now, why would you choose? Why would you run the risk of making him happy? When you know what makes the Lord happy. God is so into reconciliation, right? That's the high ground. Just get, settle it. Just get it right. Get it over with best you can. Now, if somebody don't let you, that's not, don't let it be your fault. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't wait till you're standing in a funeral home going, man, preacher preached that I ought to, and I didn't, and I wish I would have. And uh, let me say again, what about that unsaved friend, neighbor, coworker, relative, that person that uh, you know? They may not know their life ended abruptly at the lake, like Brother Adam Kowski's life ended last Friday. He was ready to go. A lot of people are out having fun every weekend. They don't have a clue. But you do. Now we can't reach them all. That's for sure. Wish we could. But God puts people in every one of our lives that we could reach. We could try. And sometimes we don't. 
sometimes we're afraid of what they might think. What a terrible reason for a person to go to hell. Amen? Second Corinthians 5, 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us that we, uh, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and we were, and he did. And that he died for all, but they, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You know, we got, we got a lot of spiritual hitchhikers. And I'm not talking about uh, the mother crowds. I'm talking about in our crowd. We got spiritual hitchhikers that got in on the best that God had to offer, uh, the gift of eternal life, and they gotten some victory over the life they couldn't have got without God's help, and then somehow got the idea they don't have to give back nothing. And to keep your salvation, you don't. But why don't you want to? I don't understand that. Amen? So, wouldn't it be good just to commit tonight to not miss clear opportunities that God in these areas that God put before us? And who knows? You might, you might even wake up and pray that God would give you another opportunity, something you're not even looking for. You get in on this thing, Christianity is... Really, really exciting. All right? So are you saved tonight? Wouldn't it be a shame for this career criminal to go to, to, go to heaven from a cross and, and somebody to go to hell from a church pew? And it happens. It happens. Jesus Christ was not a criminal. But he died like one for you and I. Amen? So that we wouldn't have to. We were guilty. He could do it. I know. He rose from the dead. Yeah, he could do it and rise from the dead because he's God. But you're not God. And if you were to die in your sin, you're not rising from the dead. And people that you know, they die in their sin. They're not rising from the dead like Jesus did. They're going to go right to hell. If you're in here tonight and you're not saved, that's where you're going and the Lord wants you to know that he went the distance. He did everything needed to be done to make a way for you to be forgiven. I don't know everybody in here, but I'm going to say this. If you're in here tonight and you don't know, you don't have the confidence, the assurance that I'm talking about, you're missing out. You're missing out on the peace that God gives when the most important issue in your life gets settled. And that's where you're going to go in the next one. Let's all stand. Missed opportunities. I've missed some. I wish I wouldn't have. And I got in on some. I'm glad I didn't miss. Take the message. Take uh, the points. Take them to heart. If something needs some spiritual attention, take a few minutes and give it some spiritual attention. There's nothing uh, going on in your life. There's nothing going on in this world that can't keep another five minutes. Let's do something with the Word of God tonight. You know what? The Lord's not hindered by some evangelist outline. He may have spoke to you about something completely different. And that's good. That's fine. He's able to do that. But what are you going to do with it? Act on it if the Lord's dealing with you about an area.